Hello, friends, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Resilient Leaders Podcast. I'm J.R. Briggs, founder of Kairos Partnerships. Most leaders are burdened by complexity and exhaustion, and our organization exists to help leaders like you by offering the perspective and tools that you need to lead with health, clarity, and confidence. And maybe that's what you're feeling right now. You're feeling burdened by all the complexity and the exhaustion, and you just want certainty. You just want to return to the past when things felt easier and quieter and less complex and less anxious. Well, I've got good news and bad news. The bad news is, as you've heard me say many times before, we're not going back to normal. It's a new reality we live in. It's one of complexity. And we can stick our heads in the sand and deny it. We can grab a blanket and cry about it. Or, and here's the good news, we can draw on our courage, admit that it is difficult and scary and unknown, but we can learn from it. We can orient ourselves and we begin to lead and lean forward and steward the moments before us, even if our knees are shaking and our voice is quivering. This era that we're in needs leaders who are courageous. And as you know, courage means not to be free from fear, but to do what is right to act even when we're afraid. And I admit, I'm afraid. Sure I am. We don't know what the world in front of us will look like. We can't predict that. But I don't want fear to keep me from acting, serving, leading, and learning as I need to. And I hope the same is true for you as well. Well, as you know, the beloved Queen Elizabeth II passed away about a month ago. And as a result, I've been, I've been doing a lot of reflecting about her leadership. Here's someone who took over at an incredibly young age as a leader, given a, a pretty large responsibility. She led with poise. She brought stability. Her faith grounded her and led her to live a principled life. And she ruled during seven decades. I was blown away when I, when I read that she commissioned Winston Churchill as prime minister. I mean, what a legacy. With our longevity, I've reflected on this question. What might the world be like 50 years from now? And how might that impact how we live and lead now? Have you ever thought about that question? What does leading, what does leadership look like 50 years from now? And what impact might that have on my life and leadership right now? As leaders, we should always be thinking about what is both timely and timeless. To think with both an immediate perspective and a long view at the same time. I am no futurist, no fortune teller, no Nostradamus. I am not here to try to predict the future. But I am constantly trying to learn and listen, to scan the horizon, to look for patterns and trends in our world and see what kind of implications that might have if that trajectory continued. And so I humbly want to propose a few things to you, a few thoughts on what I believe the world might look like 50 years from now. I admit I could be listening to this podcast episode 10 years from now or even a few months from now, and realize I was dead wrong. I may even be laughing at this in just a few weeks' time. But if that's the case, I hope that I would practice what I preach here over and over and over again on this podcast, and that is to be adaptive, to adjust, to be resilient in making the necessary adjustments to lead in a world that is needed in this cultural moment. Now, what will be needed and desired in the next 50 years? I'll offer a few thoughts. And after each thought, it'll be followed by a question 
for reflection. I've got six thoughts I want to propose to you very humbly. The first one is this. In 50, 50 years from now, here's what I think could happen. Number one, in a world where we've never been more connected online and people have never felt lonelier, I believe in the future that the craving for incarnational connection and community will only increase. A desire for in-person flesh and blood connection will be desired more than it is now. Even with the convenience of the screen world that we live in, the digital world that we live in, that I believe that there will be a desire for listening and sharing stories and experiences and vulnerability where people are actually and truly known in the flesh and blood reality. Screens are good, but how can we learn to minimize and mitigate our screens in order to cultivate more real flesh and blood relationships with our coworkers, our friends, and our literal neighbors in our own neighborhoods? Number two, in an age of information where we can Google anything within seconds, I believe that in the future, wisdom will become more important than knowledge. How will we be wise leaders? How will we cultivate that wisdom in ourselves? And how can we communicate a compelling vision of wise living to others, to those we lead moving forward? I really believe wisdom will grow to be more important than knowledge. Number three, in a world where celebrity leadership has been glorified, and we've seen the dark underbelly of such a reality. I believe the world will seek to find meaning and significance in our everyday moments and everyday lives. With the proliferation of social media and the pressure to always look good, I believe that exhaustion will come to a point where people will say, I want something better. The exhaustion will give way to a craving for those less public, more hidden moments where we don't have to hit home runs and be heroes. We can simply, faithfully live unheroic lives and in the unheroic living, find meaning and significance and purpose in that. It will force us to ask, who am I? What truly matters? Why am I here? Why was I placed on this earth? What's my identity? And how can I be truly known by others for who I actually am? That I believe will become even more important in the next several decades. Number four, there will be a longing for a more hopeful alternative to consumerism. Even further, what is needed is a clear, convicting, well-articulated, robust, and compelling vision of a philosophy and theology of suffering. What can we learn from suffering, and how can we see it as a blessing and not just a curse, which will involve growing in our wisdom to be able to see that? You see, those who live out and articulate a clear and compelling vision of suffering and finding meaning and and purpose in the midst of suffering will help lead us into the future because we know we can't avoid suffering. We can't numb it. We can't deny it. We can't run from it. So will we be able to embrace it? So the question is, can we see suffering as a gift that forms us rather than something we immediately push away from? And the leaders of the future will be those who will help us do that and lean into the discomfort of that. Number five, This has been described, of course, as the age of anxiety. Let us not forget that anxiety was at its highest recorded level among young people before the pandemic even hit. Before. The anxiety 
at its deepest level is an insecurity of our identity and a sense of what is truly true. Therefore, there will be a growing desire to really grasp and understand a universal truth, a moral anchoring for our souls. If not, we will continue to be anxious and lonely and lost. In an age of misinformation and disinformation, the world will be craving for the reality of true and real truth. Truth that they can sink their teeth into with confidence. Number six, in an age of skepticism and distrust of institutions, it has eroded our social and societal connective tissue. This has also eroded community and trust. And this loss will continue to be felt. And there will be a desire to return to ways to cultivate and build trust. But ultimately, the need for trust to be developed in institutions, even if they are newer institutions or those institutions look different than before. I believe a return to wanting to trust institutions will occur. In fact, I could do an entire episode just on the loss of trust in institutions and our need to rebuild trust in this season with our institutions and structurally how maybe some of those institutions need to change. Maybe sometime later, we'll talk about that here on the podcast. But let me end with these questions as it relates to a skepticism and a distrust of institutions. How can leaders live authentically out of a sense of trust in others? And how can we cultivate a life that is worthy of being trusted? by others. Because without trust, I am unsure if we can ever lead effectively at all. So leaders, let me ask you, how might you answer that question of what you believe the world will be like in 50 years and what implications that have? What do you believe and how might that impact how we think about leadership and how we lead now? I'd love to hear from you. My contact information is in the show notes. Drop me a line. Find me on social media. And lastly, if you haven't signed up for my weekly newsletter, it's free. You can read it in five minutes or less. Comes to your inbox every Tuesday morning. You can subscribe at kairospartnerships.org slash 5T5M. Again, you can read the whole thing in five, five things in five minutes. And you can also find it in the show notes. Well, thanks for listening today. A much needed shout out, as always, to the venerable Joel Limbowen, founder of Onalim Productions, who produces each and every episode of the Resilient Leaders podcast. Do yourself a favor and check out his great work at onalimproductions.com, or you can check out the show notes for more information. Leaders, be faithful, available, teachable, and hungry. Keep leaning in and learning. And remember, stay rooted in the present but always be looking to the future so that we can lead with wisdom, courage, and compassion. We're not going to go back to normal. We can't predict the future, but we can steward this moment well and help to create the future itself. Have a great week.